Greetings and salutations and welcome to the Trash Fire of Talk podcast with your host, Skits M. Jones. I am your host, Skits M. Jones, and today we're going to be doing something a little fun. We're going to be breaking down one of the most formative albums of my youth. Um, But before we get into that, uh, here's some upcoming events. In two weeks from today, I will be making my debut at Tonk House. It is a DIY comedy venue. Uh, out in Elgin, Illinois, uh, DM Jay Garcia uh, for the info on location, or you can hit me up at any of the socials at Skits Jones on Instagram or Twitter or you know wherever, or email me skitsmjones at gmail dot com for more information. Jay Garcia is is the cat who puts all this together, and along with Chris Carricker and Matt Buck. Uh, They'll be doing a live recording of the Audio Hot Sauce podcast at this event. As well, killer comedy lineup featuring Too Skinny, Kyle Parks, Chris Montana, TJ Remick, and myself. Uh, So that is going to be a banger of a lineup. You're not going to want to miss it. It's such a cool cool idea for a a way to do comedy, doing it DIY style, a lot like the, the punk bands. That, that play the house shows and, and stuff like that. So yeah, check that out. And then if you are listening to this uh, today, uh, Saturday, as I'm recording it, um, tonight I have been added to the Laughs Equals Love bill at Comedy Shrine. It is an entire showcase uh, featuring LGBTQ, etc. performers and, uh, it, you know, in, in benefit and in... Uh, uh, solidarity with Pride Month and Aurora's Pride Weekend. So that's going to be huge. I am so excited to have been added to that uh, bill. So that'll be tonight if you're listening to this on Saturday. If you're listening to this after Saturday, then you missed it. And I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, so that's the upcoming events. That's what we got going on. Um, I'm sure there will probably be more that I can announce further down the line. Uh, but I'll do that when I can do that. You know, follow me on all the socials for all the most up-to-date information. All right, now let's get into the meat and potatoes of this particular episode. We are talking about Soundgarden's Super Unknown. So, little backstory. This album came out March 9th of 1994, six days after my 11th birthday. And I was handed this album on cassette, along with a handful of other cassettes from my youngest, aka the coolest aunt, uh, my mom's sister. Uh, She gave me this, Lives Throwing Copper, uh, Collective Soul Self-Titled, Better Than Ezra's, whatever the one with good on it was, and I believe it was Counting Crows, um, uh, hell, August and Everything After, I think. I think that's the one. But anyway, uh, the only tape she did not want back was Soundgarden's Super Unknown. It wasn't her taste. Uh, so, you know, I, I dubbed all the others to cassette, uh, back in the days when you could just do that. Um, and it was a laborious process to do that. You know, you had to, you know, make sure you had the right length tape and get your A side, B side, right. Not cut off any songs, but Soundgarden Super Unknown, I just got to keep that cassette. And 
I am so grateful that I got to because that album shaped so much of my youth. Um, prior to that, wasn't the biggest like music person at the time. Um, you know, I, I grew up, uh, my dad listened to country, my mom listened to classic rock. Um, you know, the only stuff that they kind of both agreed on was the Beatles. Um, you know, my musical taste when I was in, in junior high, you know, I was, I was formed by MTV. And so of course all the pop of that era and yo MTV raps and, and all that kind of shit. Um, but it wasn't until this album that I found something that was just mine. It wasn't my parents. It wasn't, uh, you know, my, many of my peers weren't even necessarily on board with this album yet. Um, and for me, this was the, the next evolution of what my mom was listening to. You know, the classic rock of like Zeppelin and Floyd. This was my Zeppelin huge mammoth sound in the instrumentation, you know, thunderous drumming, wailing guitars, and then Chris Cornell's vocals just soaring above it all like nothing I'd ever heard. Um, and so I'm going to break this album down song by song, give you some thoughts. And uh, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Um, first up, the, the album opens with Let Me Drown. And, you know, Soundgarden, uh, after I got into this album and got into this band, I, I went back and listened to their previous recordings, uh, Bad Motor Finger and, you know, the, everything that came before it. Bad Motor Finger, you know, was probably their, their, really their breakthrough kind of debut album. They had albums before that on, you know, regional labels and stuff like that. Um, but Bad Motor Finger got them onto MTV with Jesus Christ Pose and Rusty Cage. Um, and it was a very, they still had a lot of punk and a lot of metal influence. And it was a very jocular album. And Let Me Drown uh, stays in that wheelhouse. It's a very rock song. It's very straightforward. Um, and it's paired with Chris Cornell's kind of word salad lyricism. Um, you know, there's a, a moroseness and a, a bleakness uh, to a lot of his lyrics, paired with a, a very, you know, middle-fingered, uh, thumb-in-the-eye uh, element as well. You know, a lot of rebellion amidst the, the bleak imagery. Um, it's a very subtle vocal performance compared to what's to come later in the album, um, you know, uh, there's a little bit of high, but it's mostly the mid-range vocals, very echoey. Um, I'm going to talk about Cornell's vocals a lot because as a vocalist, that's what draws me to a lot of the music. Um, so Let Me Drown, pretty straightforward song. Uh, for me, the album doesn't really start until song two, which is my wave. And like I said, for me, that's, that's the start of the album. Let Me Drown is almost a preamble, but My Wave has punchy vocals and drum combinations with a seesawing riff that just gets louder and weirder for the chorus, and it's it's such a a a, a driving banger of a of a track. Um, so My Wave for me is where the album really picks up, 
And then it's followed up with Fell on Black Days. And that's my adolescent angst anthem. Fell on Black Days is lyrically a a very vulnerable song compared to the previous two. Uh, Chris Cornell's trademark screech at the end, and then an almost resigned last couple lines. Um, it's, it's such a, a dynamic track and, you know, one of the, one of the singles from the album, uh, after fell on black days comes mailman, which is, uh, a doomy chugging kind of song. It's, it's not a standout solitary track necessarily, but within the context of the album, it's perfect. And like I said, it's so doomy. Um, that it, 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 you know, there are other bands, uh, that it would fall well in line with, you know, um, but, uh, yeah, not, not a standout Soundgarden track, but really keeps the momentum going on this album. That's the thing about this album. It has an almost, it's a 71 minute album, you know, so that's over an hour of music, but it just keeps driving. It doesn't, lose momentum even when it slows it slows with purpose it has a a definite ebb and flow you know throughout the entirety of the album uh so from mailman we go into super unknown which is the title track which brings the tempo back up resumes the rock vibe uh with some very kind of hallucinatory lyrics uh, a very trippy bridge and some shredding guitar work uh chris cornell wailing in the background um, you know, they, they definitely took a lot of psychedelic, uh, elements, um, you know, from sixties and seventies music and infused that into their, you know, heavy metal punk, uh, aesthetic, um, that, that, you know, gets lumped into grunge, grunge as this big umbrella, but Soundgarden really was kind of its own thing. You know, it, they were they were very heavy metal for grunge you know whereas a lot of uh, the other grunge was was more punk rock you know um chris cornell you know long hair uh for a lot of the career up until this point um you know often shirtless uh just very uh very masculine uh presentation um you know, and, and very metal. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the psychedelic nodes that are, that are put throughout the album, you know, definitely in super unknown and in some later songs we'll talk about. Uh, so yeah, title track, you know, it's, it's a banger. Um, not a single, uh, not necessarily one you go out of your way to listen to, but again, context of the album, so good, just a spot on. Uh, after that, we get head down, which uh, uh, has a, a twangy plucking um, to to kick it off, followed by some uh, or or paired up with some some you know solid drum work, solid percussion, and then in the background, what almost sounds like hammering, um, you know, weird, a rhythmic uh, percussion that that's like like a hammer on wood in the background. And then the high-low vocals of, of Chris Cornell and the chorus. Um, and then more strumming and banging that that just builds to almost erratic noise to close out the track. 
And then from there, we get into the song that is probably what Soundgarden is most known for. No matter how many uh, hits they had after or before, this is, if you ask someone, name the Soundgarden song, they are going to tell you Black Hole Sun. This is, it's, it's everything that Soundgarden is. It's huge. It's anthemic. Uh, Cornell's vocals. Uh, Kim uh, Thiel's guitar work. Um, you know, everything on it is, is perfect. And the music video was such a wild, trippy visual with, uh, you know, this black hole sun thing floating in the sky above them and the world seeming to come to an end as as a, a suburban family with these wild rictus grins um you know cartoonishly contorted uh throughout the video look on and and the weirdness of a subverted suburban landscape and then the wildness of this extra terrestrial thing um yeah totally a wild music video still stands up as as a a great rock video um from black hole sun we get into spoon man and spoon man uh was actually so the movie singles which had come out before this uh there was a, a fictional band in the movie called citizen dick and they had a uh a bunch of you know, song titles, uh, in a couple scenes just listed one of them being spoon man and Cornell, uh, took the challenge to write a song to that title. Uh, and, uh, the, the cat who plays spoons was just a known spoon player in the Seattle scene. Uh, and it's, it's wild. It's a very aggro kind of song. Um, you know, which is, it's wild given that spoons are a featured instrument. Uh, it's a, it's a weird concept and it's used to outstanding effect. Um, from Spoon Man, we slow it back down again, going into Limo Wreck. Uh, this is just a straight up sludgy song, um, with a, a, a ringing guitar tone though, like a very bright ringing guitar tone, uh, that, that, gets uh a bit sabbathy uh at times in the song and um you know cornell the these prophecies of doom almost for a chorus uh just shreds um from from limo wreck uh limo wreck we then transition off into the day i tried to live which is almost a perfect counterpoint to Fell on Black Days. You know, Fell on Black Days was a very uh, a dour, um, you know, really uh, emotive song. And The Day I Tried to Live takes all of that misery, but then makes it almost upbeat and poppy um, and, and really thumbs its nose at the misery that's being sung about. Uh, so that's just a, such a wild contrast. Very few bands can effectively take like a miserable subject matter and make it upbeat. You know, one of, one of the, my favorites is all the early Everclear, you know, they were the masters of having just the most miserable songs with the poppiest, 
sound. Um, and that's, that's something not to compare Soundgarden to Everclear, wildly different tones, um, but just in the ability to take misery and, and make it upbeat a little bit. So that's something that's accomplished in the day I tried to live. Uh, after the day I tried to live, we go into the song kickstand. It's like minute and a half, two minutes, just a quick little banger. Um, almost like just a bridge between tracks as opposed to its own kind of song. It's just a, a boisterous, uh, you know, dick swinging little rocker. Um, and then out of kickstand, we go into fresh tendrils, which is another low key, but kind of swinging track. Um, it's a steady building crescendo of sound building from the, the start to the finish. Uh, again, not the most memorable track, but everything in this album just kind of rolls, and so it it fits. Um, then we go into Fourth of July, and I know I mentioned earlier that uh, um, you know Limo Rec was kind of sludgy. Fourth of July is sludgy as fuck. There is so much distortion uh, in this track, just forming this cradle in which Chris Cornell's vocals just rock. Um, and there's so much echo and distortion and it just builds and builds and builds and then brings us into half, which is a wild departure of a track. Um, you've got muffled falsetto vocals, uh, from, uh, uh, Ben Cameron, the, the drummer of the band. Um, and that's over kind of a, a flashy guitar tone that's got a Middle Eastern influenced vibe. You know, this is where they really kind of took from some of the, the real George Harrison element of the Beatles. Um, and then it settles into kind of a, a dreamy flow uh, for the end. And it just kind of, uh, you know, it, 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 it rolls and it rolls and then it, it settles and it just lets you almost kind of weighed on these nice, pleasant waves uh, right into the closing track. Um, the closing track, Like Suicide. And uh, Like Suicide is a, a song, lyrically, it's the shallow kind of deep, right? That like a budding adolescent writer would cling to as poetry. Um in fact, uh, when I was in college, I, I took a, a poetry class and they wanted us to bring in other poetry or other writings that we enjoyed and read them to the class. And I brought the lyrics to this song because that's the kind of morose motherfucker I was when I was 18. Um, but yeah, it's got a morbidity that, that is fitting of its name. Um, Cornell's vocals, you know, starts in the lowest register and just builds and builds as he gets into his higher and higher ranges uh, as the song progresses and it just builds to a crash of like shredding percussive drumming thunderous bass lines and then calming down um, uh, calming down to, to just allow this single guitar note to ring as, uh, as Cornell's vocals carry out the last few words, uh, almost like a eulogy for the rest of the album. You know, it, it builds and it builds and it builds, and then it just slows on down and just settles and lets you mourn the loss of the end of the album, you know. Um, so it's really, it's, it's 
a, a great ride and, you know, had emotion and angst and passion and subversion and it was powerful uh and this this album really opened a world of music to me that I wasn't looking at before you know from Soundgarden I got into Alice in Chains and you know I looked at Mudhoney and you know eventually Nirvana settled into my uh into my consciousness and you know Pearl Jam of course um and you know Soundgarden and Pearl Jam uh members of both bands doing Temple of the Dog was something else that was you know on on my radar uh after this album but this album is the one that really broke grunge open for me prior to this I just wasn't I didn't get it I didn't get why everyone was on about it uh and then once this album came out it was all that's all it took um so yeah, such a such an amazing album and even still with my work with Uncouth, you know, this is an album I look at uh as an influence. Um Stone Temple Pilots another band I look at, you know. Um just the these bands with amazing vocalists and this weird subversion of form uh and amalgamation of different sounds to create the the instrumentation. Um while still being just heavy as fuck. So yeah, that is my rundown of Soundgarden Super Unknown. If you haven't listened to it in a while, go back and give it a listen. That album bangs. Um, so yeah, that's that. Uh, on to the next thing. Um, you know, that's, that's the big recommendation. I don't, I don't have any other real recommendations for you. I saw the new X-Men it was f- fine, I guess. I don't know. Like, if you've watched every other X-Men movie and you just want to be a completionist and you just want to see how Fox ends its run with the with the X-Men before it's relinquished off to uh, the MCU, yeah, see it. It's fine. Um... You know, some of the actors are great. Some of them are phoning it in. Uh, no one really gets a chance to shine like they did in previous movies. Everyone's just kind of there. Um, and it's it's definitely, you know, Dark Phoenix, it's definitely dark. Like, it's a it's a morose little movie. It It tries to end on an uplifting note, but it just doesn't. It just, it's, it's dour um but you know if you want to see it go see it i'm not going to tell you not to see it like it's fine if you wait for you know streaming or dvd or whatever that's fine too you're not missing a ton if you've seen the 90s x-men cartoon version of dark phoenix or just read the comics you've already gotten the best version of it you know this does uh, X3 with less charm. We'll say that. Uh, so yeah, I don't know if that's a recommendation. My recommendation is go listen to Soundgarden Super Unknown. Uh, and now it's time for your tarot pull, uh, for the episode. And today, uh, I'm pulling once again from the lovely Omens deck by Keely L. And the card that I pulled is the Page of Cups. 
And this is a, a dreamy card. This is all about the subconscious and wild creativity and instant loves and uh, things like that. The, the Page of Cups is a, a wave of emotion swelling before the break. And, uh, you know, as, as you're riding the wave uh, and, it, and it's building to a crest, um, don't, you know, uh, it, it, don't crash that wave before it's, it's, it's due. Don't pop the bubbles prematurely. Like, keep your head in the clouds for just a little longer than others might consider prudent. You know, um, this, this is about getting in touch with the stuff that's not on the surface. The, the wild flights of fancy, you know, like, in, engage with that. Read that in yourself. Check that shit out. But also get therapy. Like, um, cause you're going to need it. You're going to need to dig through all the shit that you're dreaming and your subconscious bring up. Um, you know, if you can do the lucid dreaming thing, do that, you know, and then, yeah, uh, break it down with an expert, like get into the shit, uh, and get therapy is just a, a good advice for anybody. I, I think everyone needs to go to therapy now. And again, I've got a therapy appointment next week. Uh, so yeah, highly recommended talk to professionals. Because uh, your mental health is as important as your physical health. I should really get my yearly checkup at the VA for my physical health as well. I've been... Alright, don't do not do as I do. Do as I say. Um, uh, no, I do have, I have my, my yearly checkup in a couple weeks, so it's fine. I'm in good health. And in good spirits today. A lot going on. Uh... Yesterday was a rough one. The day job, man. The day job's a grind, you know? Um, some days it's fine. Some days, you know, a breeze through it. No problems, no complications. And then some days, I just think that Thanos was right, you know? Um, but that's, I mean, I could get into that and drag that out for a whole other podcast. Uh, but I'll, I'll save that. I'll save that for a later date. We'll talk the day job at some point. Um, but yeah, for now, meditate on the page of cups, go listen to Soundgarden Super Unknown. And if, uh, if you listen to this today and you're free, uh, tonight, come out to Comedy Shrine for Laughs Equals Love. Uh, it's, it's going to be a, a banger of a show. I'm stoked to be on it. I've seen a couple of the performers live before, and, uh, I think you're in for a treat if you're there. And if you're not, well, there will always be more shows. Uh, I'm not stopping until they make me stop. Uh, so with that having been said, thank you all for listening. And as always, keep that trash fire burning. <laughs>